Welcome to Future Fuzz, the digital marketing podcast. Hey everybody, this week I speak to Dan Sanchez about all things B2B podcasting, promotion and the like. Let's get into the show. So what did you what did you post about? I posted about how influencers are not being bashed by the algorithm. Chris Walker had posted a while ago that after you reach 100k followers on LinkedIn, the the algorithm starts to work against you, favoring smaller creators. And I'm finding that that's probably not the case. And this is just my theory that new creators have an audience that hasn't checked out yet. New creators have gained momentum over the last few months and all the people they gained at the beginning are still with them because they haven't had enough time for their audience to fatigue yet. Yeah. So it doesn't even, it's not even about 100K. It's just about how long can you hold someone's attention? And once... Once you become repetitive to them, even even if you're good, even if you have really cool things to say, eventually when they can start predicting what you're talking about, they're going to start tuning out. Even if it's subtle and they don't even consciously do it, the algorithm will know they're paying less attention to you and will start showing your, your posts less to others. So it's something to take into account when it comes to your audience. And that happens on podcasting. It happens on LinkedIn. It happens on... Um, any any platform where you're building an audience, you will have audience fatigue, and it's something you have to take into account for if you want to grow your audience. Have you seen sort of a golden number in terms of followers? Because I know some people that post on LinkedIn, and maybe in Europe, it's more likely that someone would have somewhere between, let's say, 8,000 to 20,000 followers, um, and they would be doing pretty well. Um, is there a sort of golden number there, in your opinion, you think, Dan? No. I think that's just arbitrary. Um, if you do enough digging into the data, you will find an average because it's data and it will find an average for you because of some kind of, I don't know, constraint on how many times you can post a day and how many posts work in the platform. Um, but I don't find that there's a golden number. Like if you are this like hidden gem that was just never active and all of a sudden you start posting really high quality content and start activating a network that maybe you have a lot of friends that have influence Dude, you could you could skyrocket and just become famous like pretty quickly, right? Especially like I mean this this happens a lot when in reality TV, like Dancing with the Stars or no, not maybe that's not a good example, but like American Idol or something, somebody comes up and fast and all of a sudden they go from like 200 followers on Instagram to 100,000 followers on Instagram because they're just pure celebrity really quickly, right? right? Like, so things like that can happen even in the business realm with Alex Hermosi, you know, he just comes onto the scene saying all kinds of things that are so good business-wise. You're like, ah, how come nobody's been talking with this much clarity on fairly complex business topics before and tell him? Right. Maybe Gary V to some degree, but not, he's, Gary, uh, Alex is hitting more business models in a way that Gary V hadn't hit before. I think Gary V's got this certain level of saturation, right? I mean, I feel like everybody has their time and there's some things that he says that I agree with and think they're brilliant. But in other ways, I'm like, no. You know, and that's but fine, right? I mean, we shouldn't be listening them. to the same people all the time, right? Yeah. And I think it's even, if you just go open up your, if you could go back in time, let's go back seven years to what was on your iPhone seven years ago. What podcasts were you listening to? What books were you listening to? Who were you following on social back then? A lot. And you look to now, how many of those people are you still paying attention to now? Companies, wow. blogs, business, articles, right? It's all changed. Yeah. Maybe, maybe there's one or two that you're still listening to, but- 
eh, they've changed because we all go through different seasons of what we need and what we like. You listen to a creator until you've mastered the material, right? Even if you haven't actually taken action on it, <laughs> you've already like memorized the, the main message. Um, and then you move on to the next thing that's either exciting or useful. Um, and we all do that. And I think creators, whether you're making a podcast for your business or starting to build a personal following on LinkedIn, you have to keep that in mind that people have seasons and that you will have them for a certain amount of time. Sometimes it's longer, sometimes it's shorter. Um, and that's okay. I think because of that, you can actually just know that and actually plan accordingly. Great. Dan, tell us about how you started B2B Growth Podcast. You've got 160,000 monthly downloads. You've got over 2,000 episodes now of the show. Um, it, it's great to have you on the Future Fuzz uh, podcast. How did you, well, first of all, there's two questions here, right? So why did you start it and how did you, you know, get to where you are today? I did not start B2B Growth. I am a co-host of B2B Growth amongst a few co-hosts. Um, the one who started B2B Growth is James Carberry um, because he stumbled on accident. is an accident. He was trying to, uh, he had an idea of like selling content marketing services to a bunch of church planters who are like, it's like, church, it's like startups for church. Um, and he's like, oh, you know what I'll do? I'll start a podcast and then I'll ask them all to come speak on the podcast so I can then build a relationship with them and then talk to them about my blogging content marketing services, you know, blogging social. This was back in 2015. And uh, he sent out an email to 60 of them and had for, like over 40 of them reply with a yes. And he was like, you know, I'm new to this marketing thing, but that response rate is freaking outstanding. Yeah. What the heck? And after 40 episodes, he's like, you know what? These guys don't have any money. <laughs> marketing services. But he discovered that one, this whole reach out to my ideal buyers and building relationships with them, clearly something's working here. And I just need to change my industry from church planters over to an industry where I can actually find the ones who have money. And so he switched to B2B, started B2B growth and started, he eventually started, he probably did 150 episodes with sales reps and learned <laughs> slowly that sales reps aren't the ones who make decisions on podcasts, right. marketers do. And so he went to CMO and found VPs of marketing and marketing directors are kind of the, the sweet spot. So B2B growth for all many, probably 2000 episodes was us trying to build relationships with B2B marketing, mostly tech companies, um, talking to them about what they were doing to grow their companies, um, but also building strategic relationships with them um, that many of which turned into clients later on because people work with people they trust and know and like. And when you can get here on a podcast and actually build relationships with people, uh, it tilts, tilts, tilts things in your favor if they come into the market for content marketing services or podcasting services, which is what Sweetfish does now. Now we have a different hypothesis and things are starting to evolve. Um, podcasting has become easier to do from all the technology that's out there. You know, right. Riverside and Buzzsprout and Descript has made podcast recording and editing and publishing so much easier now that there's many, there's many B2B podcast agencies. Sweetfish was the first one with B2B growth. Um, but now B2B growth is transitioning to what we're calling a media brand, um, less external 
experts, less, um, less interviews for guests and actually focusing on a quality content perspective in order to build an audience. And because it was first, we have a sizable audience, um, with all those downloads. Um, but now we're actually focusing more on our own thought leadership, our own reaction to what's going on in the marketplace. Um, and coming up with a bunch of series within thinking, thinking of one podcast as a channel that you can have multiple shows in. Think of like a yeah. TV channel, like Discovery has multiple show formats within one channel, and you can start and stop formats all the time. Inner and they they play, you know, you can have multiple posts within one week, and so you can play around with formats within one podcast, and that's what we're experimenting with now. We have a few that have hit and that have been really good, like uh, Echo Chambers, where we take something that's trending on LinkedIn and we just. Uh, pontificate on whether it was good or bad or what the idea was in it. We kind of uh, throw in our own two cents on those. Um, Is that more like an open table discussion? Because I'm seeing that that format's doing really well on some podcasts that they just get, let's say they get three or four people around a table and just start, um, you know, analyzing things or discussing things. Is, is that, is that what you guys see as well is, um, is a good format? Yeah, it's a great format. Um, especially if the people you have analyzing it are, you know, have some pretty good opinions. What we're even experimenting with now is not just bringing in a level of expertise to be able to critique the idea properly, but also bringing in a sense of personality. We had feedback recently that was remarkable feedback saying like, hey, you guys, I can tell you really know what you're talking about, but I don't really know who you are and who you are to one another because it's three of us kind of talking about one one post or whatever and the person who posted it isn't in it we're just talking about the post and the comments in the post right um which you can do for any industry it's there's always industry news to talk about um so now we're we're essentially trying to define who we are not taking things that are false but taking parts that are essentially part of us and over exaggerating it a little bit just to make it more interesting right so like me i'm like you could see, even if you're watching this on video, like I have a massive stack of books in the background. I'm a little bit of a nerd. Like I freaking love reading about marketing. I live it. I breathe it. I study it. It's just my thing. I'm a marketing nerd at heart. So we're taking that more into B2B growth now. Even just this week, we started recording episodes and just little tidbits of like, Dan, you're such a nerd, man. You're getting two in, two in the weeds on this, Dan. Little comments like that start to throw in a level of interest because now we have these personalities to build around and make it a little bit more interesting. So we're actually defining that and putting it into the show and actually talking a little bit more about our own personal interests and how it plays into our marketing and our personal lives too. So that's kind of like where we're taking it, what we're playing with now in order to make the show quality better. That's great. Where are you seeing the growth at the moment? So I'm uh, in Europe at the moment. Spotify is it's doing well in terms of podcasting. I guess iTunes, it'll always be the king. And But I'm seeing great results, for example, on YouTube. Where where do you see the growth? And do you think any of the platforms are like are lacking? I, I, I'm going to give you an example. I search for B2B podcasts on Spotify. And I search for specific titles of podcasts for a problem that I want to you know listen about or hear an expert talk about. But I find sometimes that that search is pretty sucky. It's not very good. What, do you, what are your thoughts there? Where's the growth? What do you think could get better? It's funny because there's B2B growth and then there's all of our clients and how I'm helping them do this. 
which is a common question I get from them. B2B growth has the advantage that it was like one of the first big B2B marketing podcasts that was launched in 2015 before podcasting became really popular. So because it was one of the first and had a steady stream of people coming in, if you just search B2B marketing on Apple or Spotify or any other podcasting platform, it comes up fast because of the amount of episodes, the amount of downloads, the amount of reviews we have. And then because of that, people have put us into like dozens of blog articles of top B2B podcasts or whatever. So we're just spread out everywhere. So it yeah. grows organically just by default now. Um, where we're finding the most growth though is in paid media, like actually promoting the podcast on paid sources, which is really good now because everybody's afraid and backing off of paid media, which means paid media is on sale. So <laughs> while, while people buying like, businesses and consumers might be spending less now. And if the, if the world continues to like kind of go into recession mode, they'll be spending even less, but that doesn't mean their attention's going away. They're only going to be paying more attention to what's going on. Um, and people will be spending less on advertising. So the cost to acquire a listener or a subscriber or just an attention of an audience is going down. down yeah. So you can actually build a sizable audience through paid media right now. Um, more so than in the future. And by the time the economy swings back, the people who have paid up to grow the biggest audiences are going to be the ones who freaking dominate because they have so much owned media now, they don't need the paid media anymore. So that's kind of like what we're capitalizing on now and spending it actually, like I just dropped five grand last week on promoting B2B growth, and uh, which was really cool. It shot us to like the number one chart for a hot moment. We're usually in the top 100, but if you put a lot of paid media down all at once, it tends to shoot you up bump up yeah and what we and um what it okay you know maybe you want to give it away maybe not but where where are you seeing the channels are doing the best because i've heard some good things about spotify advertising yeah in paid yeah future fuzz is sponsored by sales source b2b pipeline management and sales growth for your business we are using programmatic advertising to do it but I don't recommend people just get started in programmatic because we're doing enough of it that we can create a retargeting audience of the types of people who respond to those kinds of ads. And after doing it for ourselves and for clients, it just creates a unfair competitive advantage to drive more there. Um, if I was, if I like started at a brand new brand and didn't have access to Sweetfish's stuff and I was starting from scratch and wanted to do paid media in a B2B podcast, it would be LinkedIn for sure. Yeah because the okay. targeting is just way better. And like you can take a good micro video clip from a podcast to promote the said episode, right? With a call to action to subscribe, of course. But even like make it so that even if they only consume the video clip, it's still going to build demand for you <laughs> and your approach to the market. So even if, the, even if they don't click and subscribe, it's still a freaking win because they're consuming your message right there on LinkedIn. Yes, right. and commenting and hopefully engaging right there. If they go back and listen to the full episode, yes, more consumption, more time with me and getting getting uh, building affinity. And then some, a small percentage of those will sub, will subscribe and you'll be able to grow. So I kind of like doing that. That's my favorite play as a B2B LinkedIn marketer. advertising, yeah, definitely works the best. It can be really expensive, right? But it works the best when you get the, the yep. targeting right because the targeting options are really, really yep. good. Um, so... You know, I, I think there's something along the lines that you can put in 300 companies and target, like we're going to go specifically yep. after brands 
or on a title base or locations is pretty good. I think there's a yep. danger with LinkedIn marketing is like, I think a lot of companies get it horribly wrong and they go, they, they sort of slapdash set up a campaign, they put in their yep. budget, their CPC price is astronomical because if you don't do it right, it is expensive. Yep. And they go, oh, that's too expensive, that didn't work. And we are like, well, hang on guys, you know, it, it could have worked if you'd have spent more time to set it up, right? Yep. So it's, it's funny because it's really not that hard to set up if you have an account list of just businesses you'd love to target and the roles within it. It's like the easiest targeting you could do. I'm like, why wouldn't they do this? It's so easy. I feel like B2B marketing is like a freaking, I came from B2C and going into B2B, people were telling me it was hard. I'm like, no, you guys don't understand. It's freaking easy because you know exactly who you're marketing to. Right. In B2C, it's like a freaking fog. You just throw campaigns through the fog and sometimes it gives you feedback and you don't know who threw it back. You don't know. It's like the fog of war. I don't know if you've ever played any like war video games where you have to deal with your competitor out there. You don't even know what's over there. They're out there working and like it's the fog of war. You don't even know what's going on over there. That's what B2C marketing is like. You just you have no idea who you're marketing to. You you know like ish who they are, but you don't know their names. You don't know where they live. Yeah. In B2B you, you do. You know you're marketing to Susan over at the head of Google or YouTube's nonprofit marketing thing, you know, whoever it is, you know exactly who it is. And, and if you don't, you can pay for it, right? But usually even you just go find it on LinkedIn. Yeah, great. Let's talk about some software tools that we use that we're getting some love from. I'm going to, um, I should get sponsored by Seamless because I've mentioned their name a few times in the podcast. But uh, I use Seamless to get uh, B2B data on, uh, on people that I wish to target, right? So Seamless is real-time scraping data like first name, last name, LinkedIn profile, email address, and it actually works. Like the data that come, comes back from it is really, really accurate. So I'll absolutely love that B2B tool at the moment. Is there anything that you have been using recently that's been bringing some really good results? You know, we've used a service before, but I don't remember what it is. <laughs> we weren't using it that much. And I think they were like trade partners. We were advertising them on B2B growth all, some years ago. And then we had a free subscription for a while, but I don't even think, I think it was lead IQ or something like that. Um, but seamless I'm like on their website now looking at it. It looks pretty good. Too. Seamless is really good. Yeah. I thought you were going to say like ChatGPT, like everyone else is saying at the moment. Yeah. The best tool of the year. I mean, I don't know if you saw product hunt, but it was voted the best product of 2022 on product hunt. It won the award and it was released in November. I mean, that's a massive turnaround, isn't it, really? And uh, I mean, I'm using it more and more, so it, I mean, it's very convenient. I was literally using it last night to help me do research and do build creative for a new podcast that I'm launching with the client, and it was remarkably helpful coming up with names. Of course, yeah, I so I, I, don't, I don't disagree. It is a freaking useful tool if you know how to use it properly. I'm using it a lot. I'm not talking about it a lot on LinkedIn, but it's happening. Yeah, well, it's handy, using. right? It's a useful tool. Yeah, so what are you using it for? Like to think up names or creative ideas or con like uh, lines, content lines? What are you using it for? Because I, I do agree with you. A lot of people are not using it properly. Yeah, so for example, I'm trying to come up with a show format for a new new client. And I was just like, hey, like I'm doing a podcast on like urban planning. Give me, give me, give me names for a show on a, on a podcast for urban planning. It spits out some names. Some of them are okay. It's giving me some interesting words to deal with, though, that I can like, okay, that's an interesting word. Okay, make them get, make them more 
I don't know. It gave me like really straightforward names using just the key terms that anybody can think of. I'm like, make it more ambiguous. And so it actually gave me some really interesting names after that feedback. And I'm like, okay, now use those names and add alliteration to it. Ooh, I got back one or two that was like, that could work, (laughs) you know? So, but I also know I play with names a lot, having to name a lot of podcasts. So I kind of know how to pull it out. I know that I'm looking for alliteration. I know if it's too literal to make it more ambiguous, to make it more funky or snarky. Like I know what direction I'm trying to pull it. Cause I just spent an hour with the client kind of understanding their brand and personality and the requirements for the show. It's not like you, it's like, it's not an automatic win, but it is a really helpful tool for brainstorming. I also went, went through my normal naming process on top of it, but it came a, a tool to use with my normal process to come up with podcast names. I think that's the thing. So it is a tool to use. And, and um, you know, some people are saying like, it's going to make people lazy, et cetera, et cetera. But I think it's a, that's the great thing about it is a tool to use. I've seen so much stuff um, published recently on LinkedIn on how you should use it, like people releasing like massive notion boards, et cetera, on, on tips and advice. It's definitely very exciting to see how it'll go. I think um, it was down today. I mean, it was in Europe anyway. Couldn't even use it uh, this morning. Than what was going on. So um, Sweetfish has helped build 100 podcasts, right? More than 100 podcasts. Are the brands coming to you and saying, we like brands saying, we want our own podcast just because we want a podcast? Or are there very specific consultants coming to you saying they want to set up a podcast? How do, norm- how do people normally approach that? I mean, they come in two ways. One, they're on Google searching for podcast agencies because they know they need help. So... We get a number of those from big and small companies alike, Um, but we also are very active on LinkedIn. And if we're active on LinkedIn, those are the same people we get listening to B2B growth who hear about us there. So they'll come inbound. And if they come from LinkedIn or, or B2B growth, chances are they've been listening to us and bought into the way we do podcasting for a while now. Um, And are looking, looking for our, not just our services, but our consultation. They're looking for our expertise to drive their podcast forward. Um, and they're often tech companies in the B2B space is, is our most frequent client. Do the founders come, like do the people that work in the business then run the podcast themselves or do you help them find hosts or do you give them some coaching? I was just really curious. We like it if they are the hosts themselves. Um, they usually have subject matter experts within their company. So we try to figure out if we have a multiple co-host, one host, if it's the CEO, preferably not because CEOs are too busy to usually do a podcast um, and can't help from, can't help bragging about their company and you need to calm it down a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, I was just curious because I was wondering if you run a, because uh, we've all got like great podcast success stories and when things didn't really go so well. So I was just wondering if you maybe got someone in from a company who wanted to do the podcast and they were really, really into it and they wanted to do it, but they weren't quite the right host, right? Maybe you have to yep. you know, say to them, you know what, you should be the guest on one of the shows, but we should have a long-term host. Did you ever face that? All the time. Um, and, you know, as an agency, sometimes you're just kind of like, this is our advice, and they decided to do the exact opposite of what we said. For example, a common common thing, like a, a dumb thing to do with the podcast is just name the podcast after your company. Most companies know to not do yeah. that naturally. You don't have Acme Corp and just name the podcast Acme Corp. It's just, gonna, it's just not going to be a good show because it's clearly just going to be all about 
you and your business and services. And why would I listen to a podcast about it when I could just read about it on your website? Um, unless, unless maybe it's, it's, there's one possibility where you could just interview customers about how they're killing it with your product to give inspiration to other customers. So it becomes more of a retain customers play. I respect that. That works. Um, but other than that scenario, it's probably not a good idea, but there's certainly many customers that have come through and have just mandated that that's the thing from on high and there's nothing we can do about it, but we still launch the show and do the best we can do with everything else. That's right, just kind of yeah. the hurdle of being an agency. Yeah, that's the that's the curse of agency life, right? So you give you give advice, you give you really your best intentions uh, through that advice, and then then still your clients ignore you. But hopefully, you know, some of them listen and and, and they do, you know, take take that advice and do really well out of it. And um, obviously, and then like picking topics as well. So would you go um, to clients and say, hey, you should focus on these topics or like topic research? Is that also part of the service? Yeah, I mean, we spend most. I spend when I kick off a new client, um, like the one I was just coming up with names for this morning, um, I'll send, I'll sit down with them for an hour and just kick around. Like, why do we even start this podcast? Like, what does success look like beyond the topics and the, who's the host and whatever we're talking about? Like, what are you hoping happens because of this? Is it brand awareness? Is it thought leadership? Are you hoping to build relationships with their ideal buyers? Like what kind of play do you have going on? What else do you have going on in your marketing mix to try to align it to what they're actually being held accountable to as marketers? Cause they're the ones usually buying it. Um, and then we kind of build backwards from there. They'll come with some ideas. Some of them might be good. Some of them might be bad and be like, Oh, <laughs> so I try to, you know, push away the bad ideas, pull in the good ones. And then find, and then I have to not only be an advocate for their goals. I have to try to figure out who their audience is and be like, well, Okay, so if your audience is accountants, what what do accountants care about? What do they want to hear about? What right. are the problems they're facing every day? Because I have to build the content they actually going to like and not just not just as self-serving for you. I have to find the bridge between the two and then wrap it up in a package that's really interesting, interesting and exciting for you, but also interesting and exciting for your your audience and then pull them together, make sure it's actually something worth listening to so you can build an audience and that you can also monetize and ties back to you. And that's, I mean, people hire us to kind of pull all the things together in a nice <coughs> package that can actually be executed. And that's, that's the hard part, but that's where the magic happens. The, yeah. all the podcast production that happens afterwards just keeps the lights on. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was talking to someone who works in logistics and he said, no, there'll never be anyone who wants to listen to a podcast about logistics. And I was like, dude, yes, they you do. are so wrong. <laughs> yes, they do. There are so they many logistics geeks out there. Everybody has problems. Everybody wants to listen to something that will bring them information and enlighten them. And I can yep. guarantee like logistics, it's pretty big, it's pretty broad actually, but you could probably get quite detailed on it. Niche podcasting is great. I mean, podcast about a podcast, right? We're we're on a podcast now talking about podcasts. But um it's really important that people identify those niches, right? And and uh, and drill down. Absolutely. We, we joke all the time on B2B growth about like, you know, if you need to start in a niche, like it's, even if it's like really niche, like maritime shipping logistics, which is actually <laughs> kind of a big niche, <laughs> but it's really obscure to most people. Like you could dominate that. You could build a whole media brand out of that yeah. and easily dominate it. And especially if you're selling software to that industry, like yeah. how cool would it be for you to own the media source that everybody pays attention to? And then you're the chief sponsor of that thing. And then slip in thought leadership about how your product actually deals with their problems too. Like it's, it's, it's not, 
easy, but it's not unreachable either. Right, exactly. I mean, there there is an, an amazing event in Amsterdam regarded like which only focuses on the Internet of Things. So it's about connected devices in your home. It's very, very specific. It's very, very technical. And it's talking a lot about the hardware and also linking in the hardware and the software. Um, but it's a hugely successful event now. And when they started it out, it's like this is an Internet of Things event. And it started quite small, but it scaled up really quickly. And everyone was like, wow, look how many people are interested in this and work in this industry and, and, and you know, have an interest in it, you know, in terms of business growth. So focusing on niche. Yeah, definitely so important. Are there any like funny stories you can share with us without embarrassing any clients uh, before we wrap up the show? You know, the funniest story is the one I just was just, at least to me, because it was my, it was my mistake instead of me trying to embarrass one of my clients. But okay. like a personal mistake I freaking made was getting on, getting on Riverside and covering up my own photo with my notes. Cause I'm like, I don't need to see myself. I just need to look into my guest's face to be able to read them. And what I found out, the reason why Zoom puts your video front and center, center is not only because you like to look at yourself, right? because you need to monitor your own freaking face. Yeah. <laughs> so what I found is I was doing, I did multiple interviews in a row and I was doing like just a lot of interviews back to back to made this mistake. And I realized I was just like giving them the resting, you know, the resting B face <laughs> over and over again. Um because I wasn't monitoring my own face. I had no smile. I was just kind of like slouching and just no smile on my face. And when I don't smile, it just looks like I'm mad. Right. Like, okay. Oh my gosh. I've been giving all these guys like all these guys like a jerk face. Like I'm like I'm extremely bored and irritated with what they're saying. Like, wow, how could I have done this? I I emailed a bunch of them and apologized and told them what happened. They're like, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I was pretty yeah. embarrassed by that. Yeah, no worries at all. Well, I don't, uh, I mean, I don't want to embarrass any uh, people either, but the amount of times that I've started up a podcast and then people have gone into the, the Google Hangout link and they're like, I've been sitting in the Google Hangout link for five minutes. And I'm like, oh, I really need to um, like disable that when I send out the invite because everybody always goes in the Google Hangout link. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Dan. I think you gave some real interesting nuggets there. Um, if you want to follow Dan on LinkedIn, I suggest you do. It's Dan Danchez Sanchez, uh, the co-host of the B2B Growth Podcast. And also, if you are interested in podcasting and setting one up for your business, do check out Sweet Fish. Dan, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for tuning in and making the choice to listen to this podcast. If you liked what you've heard today, please don't forget to subscribe.